Welcome to American Soccer Analysis. I'm Harrison Crow. The other voice is Ian Lamberson. We're here to talk a little bit about American soccer, and thus the podcast is named American Soccer Analysis. Um, yeah, Ian, how the heck are you? Happy New Year to you. Hey, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm well. I hope, I hope uh, the Crow family had a, a happy, happy set of holidays there as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, bringing back, you tried to bring into uh, <laughs> into being the uh, interesting stat of the week. And, yes. Uh, I've, I've failed greatly on that, so I got one for you this week. I like it. Hit me. 13% um, of Colorado Rapids' total expected goals was yeah. created by Alan Gordon last year. <laughs> Alan Gordon, yeah, third, third highest on the team. I don't think that. I think that speaks more poorly of Colorado <laughs> than it does of uh, credit to Alan Gordon. Uh, as much as we enjoy Alan Gordon, um, that's I think that coming off the bench a lot too, huh? Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, Colorado needs Colorado needs to to do better at attacking next season. Uh, and they kind of seem to be uh, onto a set of strikers. They they keep pursuing a few different chains, and they seem to keep losing out on people. Um, not a lot is being advertised, but it just kind of seems like you see the next name uh, rather than they, they got shut down, right? I can't imagine. I mean, someone's going to have to be, like, the first guy to go over there to change that and be, like, a big you know, uh, attacking presence there. I, I think probably for a lot of people, especially in MLS that know, might be a little bit uh, reticent to do something like that at this point. So um, hopefully they can they can put something together. They have been some interesting names bandied about in the press, uh, as it were. But, um, yeah, uh, they, someone needs to take the scoring load off of Alec Gordon. <laughs> Well, Dominic Baji is the is the leader, and of course, you know uh, mm. our our good friend Kevin Doyle uh, coming in second right there. Uh, oh, but uh, memories, yeah. You know, I, I, I erroneously, and I shouldn't have said this, but I said uh, Colorado was a team that didn't have money. Um, of course, their owner does have money. Uh, it's just a, a juxtaposition of uh, not wanting to spend it. <laughs> yeah, which is right. I mean, yeah, that's. I think it's sort of a it's one of those kind of cyclical things that happen that as you kind of fail to invest in a team, uh, you get this kind of uh, lackadaisical quality like around the team, around the squad. And I think you can fall into that and uh, it makes it even more difficult to like justify putting finances into it. But they got a new coach. Um, you know, I, I think that that there seems to be like the motivation to, to, to improve and hopefully like we can see some, some moves this off season to give those really nice fans, uh, who I, I, I enjoy a lot, uh, got to spend a match with, um, you know, something to be really excited about next year. 
No, yeah, they're great fans. Um, don't want to continue to kick Colorado when they yeah, had a rough season last year. That's not year. on the script. Like, uh, berate Colorado. That's not on the script. Right. Um, as you said, they got uh, former New Zealand uh, national team manager Anthony Hudson, who will be uh, doing some fun things. It kind of looks like they have some fun things in store as far as like uh, how they're going to be uh, moving forward with the formation. Uh, at least it looks like it's going to be interesting, right? Um, I'm sure there's still going to be a defensive first uh, kind of identity, but it looks like the, they might have some uh, so, some fun kind of tactical maneuverings rather than just kind of that bunk and cover uh, that that it has. So um, yeah, I think just a second gear would be good to have there, and it, 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 that might be what they're kind of looking to build is to have um, you know another option tactically to do, and I, right. I think that will help them. And, but from Anthony Hudson and the New Zealand national team to the U.S. national team and the January camp, uh, super underwhelming so far. Like, have you paid attention? Like, I've seen, like, maybe one or two things aside from, like, Dominic Dwyer, like, uh, injuring, you know, pulling, I think, a hamstring or something. Yeah. There hasn't been much news. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't follow a lot of this camp news. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to get from like these trying to training sessions it sounds like i like the group he brought in um you know there's some good young players there uh getting a look and uh, uh i don't expect to hear much out of this or, or be too enthused by like this amazing january camp and i guess they play when do they play when's the next, next week next, next week, week the so, 28th or yeah. something like that i think we'll all be kind of looking there at that and seeing what um what's going to be kind of the identity of this team maybe going forward, but at the same time, maybe not, maybe this is just a very temporary identity uh, while they sort out their next head coach. And um, maybe it's just an opportunity to see some of the younger guys uh, get a run out. And Well, and, and I kind of feel like that's, this is going to, well, we have another, um, what, one or two more uh, uh, FIFA approve no i guess this weekend isn't i guess this or this weekend but this uh this current training session isn't necessarily during the fifa window uh but we do have what two more fifa windows before uh the world cup is that right yeah i believe so and so, they, so yeah. yeah for the next few of these it's just going to be kind of um you know bittersweet yeah no it's it's really going to be a, a great to see some of these younger players called in but yeah uh until we know what what the coaches is going after and uh, and who they're really looking at uh, going forward to that, I guess the Gold Cup would be the next big thing on the list. Is that right? Yeah, and you know it's it's one of those things where if we come out in, in these next few friendlies, just like blow everybody out of the water, and we've got this youth and vigor and energy, you know, it, are we really going to say like, hey, Sarah Chan's going to stay on and, and be this guy, or are we just going to kind of wait and hire a bigger name? So maybe, you know, that has a little more like, um, you know, uh, I guess I don't want to say credibility, but but renowned perhaps in the soccer world. And then we have to start all over again. And it's just kind of a frustrating time right now because we're sort of a lame duck kind of team. And uh, yeah, I, so like, yeah, like you said, it, it's not been a very exciting January win or uh, camp um, because there's just there's really no way for us to kind of like draw a lot of conclusions based on what's happening. Yeah, I don't think how I, – I, I currently cannot see Dave uh, Sarkin just uh, staying on. I don't I don't see that uh, in any way, shape, or form, especially considering, you know, and we haven't talked about the, the Jonathan Gonzalez debacle, but um, 
and uh, everybody's done that for us so i don't think we really need to go down that yeah we don't uh, it's it's, uh, at, it's outside of our jurisdiction <laughs> right yes absolutely uh so with that um yeah this this is going to continue to be blah for a little bit longer but uh something that's not blah is atlanta united spending like 15 million dollars on uh ezekiel barco yeah well, which is i guess not technically a done deal right like uh yeah, what, I mean, is Darren I, Earls taking a picture of his photos, quoting Shakespeare, uh, taking uh, photos, <laughs> uh, taking a picture of his feet yeah. and his shoes. That, yeah, that was actually pretty boss. I, I, I'm not even I did not look up the reference for that uh, particular Shakespeare sonnet, so I don't know what he was he was getting at. But I, I assume. Oh, if it, you follow any Atlanta United folks, they they tweeted it out instantly. I, I it, try not to. And it was like something. It was like something about waiting. Oh, okay, fine. I mean, like, look, they're gonna get it done. They've got money to throw around. Like, it, the player wants it, the team wants it, uh, league's behind it. I mean, I, I can't see any way uh, this doesn't happen. Um, I think it's just a matter of maybe putting a few hundred thousand dollars here and there, and just you know, getting them to make the sign check. But it's a very uh, exciting addition to a very exciting team, and kind of a. I mean, it's it's definitely a it's uh, it's a new uh, line for for the league. I don't I don't believe mm-hmm. we've ever seen a player come in for this much money, and particularly yeah. uh, a player this young coming in for that much money. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I I think uh, Freddie Montero was twenty or twenty one, but I mean, obviously the Sounders didn't throw this type of money. Uh, and then I'm trying to think there's been a couple others. Mario Diaz is another, uh, but he didn't come in for nearly this much uh, amount of money. Um, I, I honestly, uh, I can't think of very many. I mean, uh, no one in this league has paid that much for a no. legitimate proven star, uh, you know, much less. Well, <laughs> he's not. A, let's, uh, let's, let's pump the brakes on that one. He, no, he's no, not I, a le- I, not that's what legitimate I'm saying. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they have it, like. That is, that's sure thing money. That's money that teams in MLS would only spend on a very, very sure thing. Um, so the fact that Atlanta is going out and throwing this kind of cash on a prospect um, is, is, is really ballsy and really interesting to me. No, I think so as well. I think it's, it's probably the headline of the offseason, really, um, just due to the uh, um, originality and uh, uniqueness of the situation that's, that's come about, right? Um, mm-hmm. We were lucky enough. Uh, we got to see some numbers uh, this week. Uh, Nerd League Slack uh, happened to team up and, and pull some numbers together from uh, from uh, I, I think it's uh, Prima uh, Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were primarily where they are from, and his numbers really kind of stacked up very comparable without like going over and talking about you know all these uh, very granular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but his. Uh, the distribution between passing and actually shooting was very similar to uh, Mario Diaz, as well as his expected goal numbers were uh, kind of similar to uh, Diaz in his first uh, year as he was kind of entry into. Now, that being said, uh, Diaz was also, I think, what, four years older than what Barco is when he came into the league at 22-23? Yes. Um, so. Yeah, four or five. Uh, that's what's interesting is that you can kind of – see that there is quality there and my thing with this is it always is that and I, it's the hardest part of scouting and it, it obviously is and it's not something that I, I would want to do for a living because of the the pressure on it but like looking at a player and going okay he's this good in this league 
and then trying to like extrapolate from that how good he'll be in your league is extremely difficult. And we've seen a lot of good scouts and a lot of good MLS teams completely miss that mm -hmm. uh, mark. So Atlanta so far has been you know three for three, um, and I don't think that we're gonna uh, see a miss here either. But uh, it definitely is something I think that represents a little bit more of a risk uh, than even a guy like Al Marone or, or Joseph Martinez. Well, and not only that, but you can also go and look at their TAM spendings this past offseason. They're very good about that as well. Um, yeah, I just think ultimately, um, as you said, the jury's kind of still out, and we're it, it's hard to like envision him coming in and just blowing the doors off MLS. Not to say that he can't. Uh, you don't want to jump down that road or you know start walking down that road but at the same time there's going to be a transition period it happens for every player um clint dempsey uh i, I want to say robbie Keane. There, there's been several that took three or four games to to kind of get started to get off that snide before they started producing uh at these impact levels yeah i expect him to be an impact player he's probably going to put produce those numbers it's probably going to take you know a couple games for for that to happen well and you look at like what you want out of him, I mean, like a least case scenario, he's basically replacing Emil Assad. Um, Emil Assad was very productive last season, and and so I I do think that you can see uh, similar production from from Barco though, and especially if you can kind of look and get that production from Barco and Nagby, uh, I think you're you're looking pretty good uh, this season. Well, but with that, and this will be what's really kind of interesting, right? Is now that they've got they've got a real staple of horses to to pull that attack, and mm -hmm. I think because of that, I, I do think that you're going to see their expected goals increase this this off season. Um, I think that'll just that's just a byproduct of a the the team coming kind of being together for a little bit, as well as I think adding uh, Nagby, and with that, I think that it's going to improve. But at the same time. There's going to be some numbers. Either Barco's going to take away from somebody, or Nagby and Barco aren't going to be able. They're basically going to be replacing sod level production. And at that same time, we're not going to see these gigantic. I mean, like both of them can't have these gigantic numbers, right? Um, for the touches that they're going to have, they're one's going to take away from the other. That's just that's just how soccer wor works. Well, there's <laughs> only a finite. Well, there's a finite amount of, uh, of touches yeah. that Atlanta is going to generate, even with playing that uh, heavy possession soccer. So with that being said, they're not going to continue. Uh, we saw at least at this stage, neither Almiron or uh, Joseph Martinez are, generate a huge amount of shot volume, which is fine because what they do create is, is above average, and that's great. Yeah, um, great at getting uh, a high quality of shots, especially Martinez. Um, yeah, it, you're right. You're right. It, it, there's there's only so many goals you can score in a game, and I know that Atlanta fans don't believe that uh, <laughs> and don't want to. And uh, well, they shouldn't. I, yeah, and maybe maybe they will win every game seven nothing, eight nothing, and everyone will get big numbers. I don't know. Uh, my biggest question mark on this, and I, I guess what would I would I look at a player like this, and I see that a lot of what's being uh, sort of, uh, you know, spoken about uh, him and, and what's a lot of excitement is his age, his youth, being 18 years old. Um, and I think that a lot of, you know, we, we, we tend to kind of, um, we love to imagine potential. I think as fans, analysts, uh, journalists, uh, just, just people that watch the game, you know, it, it's great to see young people playing, kind of imagine what they can become. Um, 
And this is an interesting proposition for a team like Atlanta in this league, I think, because, yeah, he's 18, um, and he might be amazing at 24, but is he going to be at Atlanta United when he's 24 years old? Yeah, I, no, I mean, that's a, it's a good question. And um, so, like, it's yeah. kind of weird to see a team, like, in Major League Soccer, that, that especially buying these players, that I think would come here and expecting it to be a bit of a stepping stone to Europe uh, or someplace else, uh, to invest really heavily in youth, um, when they're not probably going to see like the very end product of it. It's true. Yeah. No, I, I, the, very good points. I mean, you're, they aren't going to see the end of it. And, um, more of what I was, the measurement, um, for his growth isn't necessarily going to come in goals. I mean, I, I think that that's kind of a static number that I think all Atlanta fans will jump to first is he threw up, uh, if he doesn't throw up 10 goals, I think, or 10 assists or double digits of something, um, I think Atlanta fans are going to be disappointed. And so really, I think the growth is going to be in looking at that uh, expected buildup or the goal chains that, you know, that we've been steadily producing over the last uh, the last year. And I say we, really, uh, Jared Young and uh, Kevin Minkus have been working on and producing, which is uh, yes. brilliant stuff. Yes. And I think that that's, that's going to be how we're going to measure these guys uh, and their contributions to the team attack uh, rather than um, the end singular goal right because as you said there's only there's probably only so many goals that are going to be scored in the game um not everybody's going to come down with a hat trick you have to have a way of measuring what barco's going to do outside of just uh directly contributing to the goals but harrison what if everybody Sorry. scores a hat trick uh that that would be uh that'd be great for them that'd <laughs> why be not great for them. let's dream big sure yeah uh yeah uh, no it's uh it's it's a positive all the way around i think so uh, Barco, because of the price tag, as we said, kind of the biggest storyline. For me, the second biggest storyline and really the internal storyline to MLS is the transfers that have been going on. Uh, Darlington Nagby, as we aforementioned. Um, Ola Kamara is on the transfer market. And uh, listen, if anybody spends any time following me on Twitter, they know how much um, I care for, for uh, this young man. Uh, I say young, but he's 27 now, right? He's uh, 27, yeah, 28, he's yeah. younger than me. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was Taylor Twelman that came up with the the one shot. Le- uh, he's he's a leader in one touch shots, like the highest percentage of of shots created from one touch or something to that effect. Uh, it, it was quoted and it's been requoted and it's been mangled. And really, the the emphasis has been, well, he doesn't create his own shots. And looking at it, um, you can kind of see, uh, I went ahead and posted on Twitter uh, two or three days ago, uh, unassisted uh, expected goals at, at removing penalties. And you can kind of see there's, there's just a cluster, aside from, you know, uh, Nikolic and, and Montero, who, I mean, both were sitting above 30 well, Montero was sitting near 30% to four. I think it was nearly 40% of his team's expected goals, like contributing, expected assists, expected goals, uh, is where Monter- Freddie Montero was. He had no support whatsoever. And then Nikolic, it, he had uh, uh, David Akam, uh, Bastian Schweinsteig. Uh, I mean, yeah. there was, he had help, but he's like, Nik- uh, Nikolic still was almost 60% 
of all expected goals. Yeah. So, which is like mind blowing. So, but uh, take removing those two guys who did uh, the bulk of work on their own, you'll see all of MLS kind of functions with its own within its own system. Uh, no man's uh, an island unto himself, right? Uh, ultimately, these strikers depend upon their teammates, whether Let's... that's whether that's you know whoever that may be yeah and let's let's take a second here just for people that are uh listening and 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 i i saw that they asked you this question on twitter and I, I thought it was really good and i thought we could do a job here of maybe kind of when you talk about unassisted expected goals um what what, what do you say no there? no that's excellent i'm so glad that you brought yeah, this what, up what do you say make... there yeah uh... I, I i meant to put these into the liner notes so i'm so glad that you brought that you brought that up no it's important to to recognize like it uh... Are they coming off deflections so, or like yeah, dribbles? Well, What's happening here? Well, most of the time, yeah. That, so unassisted uh, shots most of the time are coming either from a quick turnaround and a turnover, right? So a defender or maybe a midfielder turns the ball over in the attacking third and uh, a quick shot is created from that, Yeah. right? Or perhaps um, the ball is delivered to the striker or the wing uh, player, in the midfield, in the middle third, and they drive maybe a, a pass a couple of defenders, earn a dribble as a uh, as a event, and then create a shot off that. That event is that shot is created by themselves. There's no other uh, that pass that happened previously. It's like an assist in the NBA, right? Uh, if a player, there's a lot of uh, context to to what uh, constitutes an assist in the NBA, and I can't remember all the details for it, but it's basically connected to how long a player has, right? Yeah. Uh, similar to a key pass, right? Uh, a player is basically doing the bulk of the work themselves in that really limited fashion. So whether it's a turnover in the attacking third, whether it's uh, a dribble past a defender, they're really limited events as far as what could constitute an unassisted shot. So yeah, so and and when we look at this kind of sphere, can we say that because Ola Kamara doesn't have a high number or as high of a number as some of the the, the elites in the league, uh, that he's not good at creating his chances? Um, well, when, when it, I when I hear that about a player, when I hear that a player can't create their own chances, I kind of roll my eyes like a little bit uh, because I feel like functioning in a proper team. They shouldn't be doing that anyway, right? Um, I, I I would say that there's probably some level, and I think it's probably an eye test more than anything. I think it's really hard to say that a player can and cre- cannot create his own shots because I think in a lot of situations, especially for a striker, yeah, they should be dependent first upon uh, upon the ball. And if you really look at it, I'd be really interested in seeing. Um, I think it's actually midfielders such as like Ladero. Uh, uh, Jivinko, Mario Diaz, these types of players that are creating their own shots because they're the ones actually getting the ball in the midfield and then driving. The, the individuals with high dribble uh, yeah, touches, I'm, I'm thinking they're like, the ones that are going to be doing it more yeah, frequently. I'm thinking the guy standing out to me is like Piotti, is a guy I see that does this a lot. I should have um, known you were going there. <laughs> of course. I love Piotti. But he's a guy that really does get the ball at midfield and just does things until he can shoot and then shoots. Um and I think, you know, you could say the same thing at times about Javinko, but but he does receive a lot of passes in good areas too. Um, 
Ola Kamara is not that guy. But if you're a team and you're in need of a striker, are, are, is that something you want? Yeah, but here, here's – and this is what I really wanted to get to, right? If he's taking a high percentage of his shots or one-touch pass – or one-touch shots, that tells me he's getting an excellent position every single time to receive a pass. Mm-hmm. Or he's getting to uh, the ball first. He's beating defenders yeah. to the ball first. And that's – I mean, I don't see how that's a negative on him. Um, the one thing that I would that I would say is if he's taking a lot of shots um, erroneously, uh, there's a really uh, uh, Tiago Estevez uh, did a great um, little uh, cut of Ronaldo Christian uh, Ronaldo going through. He's increased his expected goals over the last I want to say the first part of the season mm-hmm. higher than what it's been, but he's also I think something about way under basically he's getting a ton of shots in the box, but going through and actually watching the shots, you can see how many times he's not setting himself up for the shot. So if that was what was happening with Kamara to where he was receiving the pass and then taking these crazy and absurd shots. uh, Yeah. I think that there's something to say about that. Um, He's not setting himself up and maybe he's being uh, kind of, uh, Mama Diallo, uh, the way that he would just absolutely just hog the ball and force a shot so he could possibly uh, score a goal, right? Um, But we know, we know, we've watched him. That's not what's happening. Right, exactly. And it's just, he's getting an excellent position. And I think that's bearing out in the numbers that we're looking at. Um, I think he's a better version, and he's obviously younger at this point in time, than Chris Wondolowski. And wow. if you get, I know, uh, saying a lot for you, Harrison, <laughs> it, it is, it is. Don't, it, there, there's certain people this cannot reach their ears. They'd be very disappointed in me. Wow. Um, the reality is though, that if you can go out and he's out there on the transfer market, a proven MLS commodity. And as we just said, with importing talent, there's no, um, there's no Rosetta stone, right? Like that says, Hey, this person was successful because of a and B, uh, in, X league um, that that doesn't always translate you know there could be a, a systemic uh, reason why he s- succeeds there could be yeah. a pl- another player that's really carrying him for one reason or another so uh, if you can get that within the league I think that's huge yeah and I, I think that that's the I think that's what people are people that I see on Twitter and and, and, and read about that, that are kind of using this as a putting a question mark around Ola Kamara are saying that, well, what happens if you just pluck this guy out of this system that he's in and clearly thriving in and just put him in another one? You know, surely we can expect different results. Uh, and, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Uh, moving any... What is it? What's the what's the rule? Anything observed changes. Yeah, right. right. Uh, so, I mean, there's a possibility that he moves in there. He doesn't click with, uh, you know, Giovanni uh, with uh, Jonathan Dos Santos. He doesn't click with, you know, uh, Sebastian Legette, uh, the Romain uh, Alessandri Drini. Um, there's so many different players that he could just not click with. And that's a possibility. However, if he goes to Los I, Angeles Galaxy. <laughs> right. There are a and number be, of markets that are, that are interested in, in Mr. Kamara. So that's by no means. I, a, well, a, yeah. well, according to the ESPN report, uh, and this is what I read, it, we'll 
put aside the additional information that you and I have. Um, it, it has stated that he, the reason why teams such as Colorado and uh, there was another team that has, uh, I think it was FC Dallas, that has kind of dropped out of the race for him was because he asked to go to a, a, a West Coast coastal city. Uh, my uh, my point was that he, I would totally uh, trade Will Bruin for him, which I think is a way better offer than Giazzi Zardes, but that's neither here nor there. The best partner to help LA get that Gamtam would be Philadelphia, who has stated that they want to get into the top three, uh, LA having the number two pick in the overall in MLS draft, super draft this yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, seems like a logical kind of connection, right? Well, yeah. And again, a lot of pieces would have to fall for Ola Kamara to end up in Los Angeles. Um, you know, Siggy kind of came out and said, like, right now we don't have the money for him. So like, there does have to be some other things done uh, to kind of get to that position. Um, and while that's being said, you know, we've also heard that teams like Colorado uh, and Minnesota uh, were also, like, kind of kicking the tires on him. So I, it's it's a a good player like that. It's, it's not surprising that a number of teams would be uh, calling to see exactly what was the asking price. Uh, that being said, let's go ahead and take this thought experiment to the thing and put him in Los Angeles. Does that finally solve the Los Angeles Galaxy problem of last year? Uh, okay, so I tweet kind of. I kind of went on a tweet rampage uh, okay. <laughs> over the course of uh, this past week in regards. I think LA improves with Ola Kamara. There is no doubt about it. You, regardless of whether or not they're uh, ridding themselves of uh, Jesse Zardes, and that's a little harsh. That's that's actively harsh. Um, Zardes is is fine at what he does. However, I don't think the pieces that they have for him are going to put him in. Uh, I think he's very dependent uh, on service more so than um, some, than somebody like Ola Kamara. He needs a number 10. He needs somebody like a Landon Donovan, like a Robbie Keane that, that are going to be looking for him that can create those upper opportunities and know um, NYC, for instance, would, I think would be a great fit for him with David, uh, with David Villa and, and have him run down the right wing and, you know, cut inside. I'm sure him and, you know, Jack Harrison and the <laughs> what is it? Uh, there, there's a few other uh, young wingers. Uh, Tommy McNamara uh, could, would all work really well together. I think that that would be kind of an interesting fit. But back to LA, they really need to address their defense. And David Bingham is a step in the right direction. Um, they got uh, an additional uh, defensive man. Kind of name escapes me. I don't have it in the the notes. But uh, they got him from. Um, uh goodness gracious want to they got him from one of the norwegian leagues yeah uh, one of the skin he's just came from a skin the Scandinavian. League. that's okay. all i can remember off the top of my head yeah not and, a household and, name but they don't have to be uh no no not necessarily yeah. not necessarily and uh, he i mean he played champions league he's played europa league mm-hmm. each of the last couple of years there's a lot of pedigree there yeah so uh, you know there there's improvement there however Ashley Cole still their left back starting left back at 37 um their right back that they picked up is someone uh who starts for the Venezuelan national team or has started for the Venezuelan national team at times and but he's been without a team for the last 18 months and he's kind of been shuffled here and there between the championship uh the back half of La Liga um 
there doesn't seem to be a real fit for him. And so that worries me. You come from those leagues and you can't find your way into the starting lineup. It worries me that you're now expected to be the guy. Yeah. Um, it kind of fit in there. I think um, what happened with, uh, I guess they, they declined the option on uh, Van Onholt, yes. huh? Yes, they did. Interesting. Which was, surpri- which was surprising. He um, seemed solid before he got hurt. I, w- I wonder if they just, uh, if they weren't impressed with like his fitness or. I don't think, I don't think, I, I think that pickup was before Siggy. Yeah. And now that Siggy has uh, established himself as the coach moving forward, I think they're kind of uh, just uh, like Arena beforehand. They're, they're, Siggy, as you know, while he was up in Seattle, he had just ab- not absolute control, but he had a great deal of oversight into what was added to his roster. And now, you know, they they went ahead and uh, I believe they went and got his they added a couple scouts, and I want to say that they added... Uh, yeah, Kurt Willard over there. He did. There you are. Yeah, yeah. Kurt Schmidt as well, uh, who you know helped establish the Sounders uh, scouting network. Um, so, Siggy is back asserting himself over this roster. I, that's not really surprising. What is surprising is um, just a lack of movement. I, I think that you're going to see more of it after, uh, after the Super Draft. You're going to kind of see... Um, where they're at, Perry Kitchen I thought was a, a really solid ad. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he, as, as Siggy said himself during the uh, the interview during the, uh, um, what is it the Adidas, um, the the Adidas uh, combine. Oh yeah, uh, the, the combine. Yeah, he they they interviewed him uh, at halftime of one of the games, and he was very, uh, very, uh, very exuberant almost of adding Perry Kitchen. You know, he he said. Uh, they lacked uh, communication, and he really felt that that was going to be a huge part of what Perry Kitchen brings on top of the physicalness that he that he brings. So I'm really interested to see how he's going to uh, how he's going to work in that system. Adding on top of the fact that you know uh, you're going to have Jonathan Dos Santos that he's going to be playing with, uh, ahead of which uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, who doesn't do a lot of def- uh, defending, um, he's going to kind of be playing in a ten type position i guess kind of a random does whatever he wants type position and, and look that's pr- people that know giovanni dos santos better than i do can speculate whether that's good or bad i know um, people have spent years trying to figure out what works best for him and they're still trying to figure that out i think i, think I mean the, yeah i think this is the team's improved i don't think that they're ready to like regain their notoriety in the western conference Alrighty, it's in sorry all the galaxy fans harrison says no i, I mean that's just my opinion <laughs> uh, right like I, yeah i'm not here to be be the authority on everything la galaxy by any means i i i think that they've got a couple good pieces i think with ola kamara they could definitely start challenging people i think last year they ran into some bad luck as well as uh you know the injury bug bit them so you know there's a few different things that could kind of swing in their way and they could be a playoff team this year um that's not outside the question are they a supporter shield uh contender I, i don't think so I, I don't see that right now, but, you know, teams, and we said this, I think, last podcast, you know, uh, teams look a lot different uh, in August than they do in, in March and even uh, February. So, um, yeah. This is just stage one of a rebuild. So, uh, 
promising, sure. And, te- and teams re- rebuild fast in MLS. This isn't a multi-year thing. This isn't the NBA. Nope, not at all. No time for that. So uh, going into that uh, awkward uh, back to the MLS Super Draft and who they might pick up with that number two pick, um, there's a lot of different things that could happen. Really, um, and, and this is something that I wanted to point out, Kevin Meek, well, i listened to uh, Kevin Mikas one on uh, one of the Dallas podcasts, uh, Dallas supporter podcasts, and kind of talked about uh, how things have shifted with teams uh, spending on TAM and DP uh, in the attack, which has dictated that uh, defenders kind of get more attention and are more likely to succeed coming out of the super draft just because they're going to get minutes. They're going to have a little bit more investment, um, which kind of got me thinking with Philadelphia shopping to try to get in that top three. Um, I, I kind of feel like this would be something that would be really good for them to jump into the top three. There's a couple different options in the attacking realm. I would like them to go spend on their defense. I would like to see an MLS team just kind of um, use attacking pieces from internal to MLS. I mean, there's, yeah. Lord knows, it seems like every year there's one or two that are just kind of getting, um, I, I don't want to say uh, thrown off onto an island, but they just kind of, they hit the end of their usefulness in some ways. They, they, you know, they the team either finds an upgrade or they just kind of work themselves out of, out of a position within the within the formation. So um, I would like to see Philadelphia kind of latch on to a couple of those attackers and use their money that they that supposedly they have and go after somebody that's uh, on the defensive side and build that de- defense. Um, Philadelphia is a tough town. They, they, I, I feel like having a team that can uh, defend really well would be a really good staple for a Philadelphia team. And I think that all, ultimately it puts you in a better position to win points when you have a better d- defense. You don't always necessarily have to – I feel like MLS is kind of turning into this uh, arms race of sorts uh, to try to see who has the best attacking piece. And that attacking piece is going to win you games. And that's not necessarily so. Uh, and I think that um, teams can really uh, start building around their defense and – win some extra points that way rather than just throwing it, uh, throwing at high price DPs all the time. Yeah. I mean, agreed. It's, it's, it's definitely another strategy and it's not one that we see a lot of teams really try to embrace. Uh, that could be a very interesting direction for Philadelphia to go. Uh, as far as this goes, I, I generally just am a bit, um, wary of the major league soccer super draft, uh, as a source of, um, reliably, you know, getting good talent. I mean, it does happen, but but there's a lot of miss rates there, and and I I know that right now there's a lot of Gam and Tam out in the market, and so it's it's not that super. It's not as valuable as it might have been, especially Tam and and Philadelphia probably wasn't going to be apt to spend it anyway. Um, but it it just seems a little bit. It's a curious move for me to see them kind of going and and throwing all in on another young prospect and, and kind of putting their hopes on that rather than trying to find someone that's more proven. Well, I mean, you saw that they've kind of built up their 
their back line over the last couple of years with young picks, right? Uh, yeah. Keegan Rosenberry, uh, you had uh, Josh Yarrow, um, and then last year, Jack Elliott. They've got some youth there already. Um, I, I, I think they need help in the attack. They need somebody to replace CJ Sapong. They need somebody to, uh, to kind of help out on that left wing, uh, either defensively or on the attacking side, one or the other. Um, I, I think that very easily they could do that and address that um, and do so in a cheap fashion. Uh, I think right now looking at what they've gone for annually, the, uh, the top three picks, I think they've gone traditionally from 400 to 200 K. Um, realistically, that's Kevin Molino. But yeah. with those players now being equated to that much, you're likely to see the actual worth of these super draft picks probably come down. So if you're only having to spend a hundred grand on top of the fact that general uh, or generation Adidas contracts don't directly go to your budget, you're kind of playing with house money to it to a degree. If you're not going to use that money to begin with, and you're just giving it to uh, a team in the West on the West coast for a player that can make an impact to your roster and doesn't count towards your cap. I think that that's a, a really advantageous opportunity. There's always, there are always going to be one or two big hits in a draft class. I, it's very rare that you see a draft class where there isn't one or two that kind of start, you know, if not becoming like an immediate, you know, it, you're, it's rare to see a guy like a Kyle Laren, um, you know, that kind of comes in and it's like foundational in your attack, like you're one. Um, so those players exist, and, and, and someone that knows the college game better than, than me, which would be pretty much anybody, um, might, you know, see a lot more value in these guys. I mean, I only just read summaries, and, um, you know, it sounds like there's some... some I kind of feel like, attacking-wise, like, there's not a lot up at the top there that that I would, I would think would need to get into, like, the first three players to spend money on, but... Maybe Philadelphia knows something I don't, and they certainly have, um, you know, a better idea about a guy like Toye. Um, and if that's what they're looking for, that's what they're looking for. So I, I see what you're saying. I, I just, uh, I, I still find the Super Draft to be um, a bit too much of a crapshoot for my liking. Um, it is a crapshoot, right? Like, yeah. It, and and looking at it from a, a risk uh, investment type uh, situation. It's riskier than going to another neighboring league, say, you know, uh, Costa Rica or even Honduras and trying to pluck uh, a couple players from there. Um, the, the real thing that makes it worth that risk is, is going after the generation Adidas players. Um, now, mm -hmm. you know, we had a conversation in Nerd Slack uh, the other day uh, in regards to with international roster spots going to all these TAM and uh, DP players, they're kind of becoming uh, less and less available and might not actually warrant uh, putting up uh, uh, using a Generation Adidas contract on, with uh, international slot. Right. It just might not uh, be cost effective as far as a maneuver. I haven't actually seen the the numbers for it. You know, that was more speculation and a discussion that we were having um, that that's eventually going to move in that direction. Whether or not we're there yet, I uh, honestly I'm not sure. Although 
I think it's with all the increases to TAM this year, it it very well could be. Um, you just get a better international player um, abroad using your TAM. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one you know thing to that is okay. Well, if I'm going to uh, if I'm going to use my international slot, maybe I go ahead and s- spend that 500, 600 TAM on Darlington Nagby on. Ethan Finley on player X, right? Uh, and U.S. players have currency. So uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can roster build. Um, there's a lot of different risk that's associated with the, the various avenues. And you're absolutely right. You know, there uh, there's probably not anything more risky than trading for a super draft uh, pick right now on the market. Yeah, especially this year where I haven't heard, uh, and maybe again, more college people might know, but I haven't heard of like a clear cut home run this year, um, out of this out of this draft class. So, I, I think it's Thomas Hillard. Uh, yeah, Ars- if anything, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't think LAFC is gonna gonna pass that up unless they get no. A, I, a I well, and that's just it, right? Like, uh, what is what is he worth? I mean, essentially, what is the number one pick worth? Because you can work backwards from that and just kind of say, okay, well, that's you know about. 75% or 20, 50% of that is for the number two pick. I think personally, it's it's definitely not worth what Molino or what Nagby or, you know, even Ethan Finley was worth. Um, that's just my personal opinion. And really looking even over at uh, Walker Zimmerman, um, he kind of sets the bar for, for what that pick is worth. Um, granted, there's a little bit more... Um, there's a little bit more ownership. Yeah, I mean, you get him for multiple years. Uh, he's kind of locked in out of contract, so it's a little bit different um, mm-hmm. c- scenario. You're getting a little bit more surplus value, but uh, I, yeah, I don't know if that's really, if that's still the best maneuver. Um, looking at a team such as Minnesota that really needs defenders, um, but doesn't really have any TAM left. I don't think that they. That might necess- that might be an opportunity for them that is still kind of running on fumes when it comes to the TAM. Um, that might be enough to to go after go to go after a young center back. Um, and there's a few others uh, that are out there that might be an opportunity for them. But um, for teams like Seattle, for Toronto, um, they're they're most likely done trading uh, assets like that for advanced draft picks. Um, so, uh, I think before we go, yeah, um, we do have to talk about one more thing. Oh, oh, oh. And okay. it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And Ooh. it's one of your favorite things to talk about. I'm excited. Well, you're, you're tantalizing me. There's a player that has declared themselves, uh, on the market for trade. And that's yes. the when. Our yes. Lee Nguyen. And, uh, hashtag bring Lee home. Hashtag Loon Lee. <laughs> uh, I love how we're on the opposite yeah, sides of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, this is a player that I think um, has gone extremely unheralded. Uh, there was, you know, one year where he oh, yeah. was kind of up there in the MVP voting, which was great. Uh, even last year, um, really solid season all the way around. You know, numbers that were, um, you know, equal to or, or better than than several players that received 
far more accolades. Um, and it, it, it's one of those things that this is a guy that I believe can kind of come in and he's not the youngest player in the world anymore. So it's not going to be a long-term thing for you, but this is a guy that can come in and really help an offense out immediately day one. Um, and so you, as it turns out, would like to see him go to uh, FC Dallas. Yes. Um, how do you see him kind of fitting into that system? Well, it, it, I mean, it's really simple, right? Like he's, he is a traditional number 10. Um, I, he still has legs. He still has the ability to, uh, uh, to work a little bit on defense. Um, I don't want to too strongly lean into that, but with that, um, he fits their, them financially as an organization, right? Like they're not going to have to give up too many resources to get him. Look, he's, you know, uh, older than most of the other players that have uh, been traded as a U.S. uh, player, but at the same time, um, he's not, uh, so New York Red Bulls kind of screwed New England over in this, right? So when the Red Bulls traded Sasha Kluschen, who is the foremost uh, figure of a number 10 in this league for uh, Carlos Rivas and uh, Tommy Redding, it kind of screwed the pooch for New England to kind of say, oh, well, we want X back. Well, Lee wins not Sasha Kluschen if we wanted if we wanted to give up those many resources or if we want to give up 400k we could have been in the Sasha Kluschen sweepstakes we want Lee Wen and so um I I think that that's the market has already been set uh for New England and I think that it's kind of just a matter of uh finding a team after uh Super Draft that it has those resources still available Mm -hmm. And I think that that's going to be, I think Dallas will absolutely fit into that. And I think considering uh, the fact that they're still trying to figure out what to do with Mauro Diaz, uh, I think it's a a slam dunk, to be perfectly honest. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, uh, that that certainly would be a destination for him. Uh, The other side of it is if he does fit into the loons, and and I mean this all all well, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I like minnesota fans i think they're they're the excellent people yes. um fun uniforms mm-hmm. i really like christian ramirez mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I i love uh calvo molino they, they've got some really fun pieces yes that being said that organization is a a disaster and oh. b there it, it's true look uh, you know talking with several of the uh, of the supporters dark cloud and the various uh kind of spokespersons uh for that fan base they make no bones about it they there's some serious conflict uh starting with you know uh manny logos all the way down to uh you know adrian heath and so that and i don't want to say that those two figures are conflicting with each other um i think it's just more in the operating space between the executive level and the actual uh team organization i think that they just don't have the resource they want to spend on people and i think that it greatly handicaps and i don't think that they're doing a great job in using the resources that they have i think that they've been wasteful now uh, to be perfectly honest all that being said if all that is true that doesn't mean that lean win wouldn't be a beautiful fit there no because look we we've already kind of discovered uh after 
multiple opportunities. Uh, Kevin Molino just isn't a 10. He's really great and creative out on the wings. Yep. Um, let him be out on the wings. That being said, it, it opens us really this recess, this hole uh, in the middle of their field that they have to do something about. Uh, they, we know that they checked in on Clustion. Um, it makes sense that they would check in on Lee Wynn. They've checked in on um, Ola Kamara. They're obviously looking for more attacking presence. That being said, um, Lee Wynn would work beautifully with Christian Ramirez. I think that that would be perfect along with Kevin Molino, and it would give their attack um, Finley? just e- e- Ethan Finley as well. Ethan Finley finished very strongly. Ibsen, Cronin, uh, behinds. Uh, Ibsen, Ibsen, I'm really okay. So he had a really great year last year, and we both can uh, can mm-hmm, see mm-hmm. that we both agree to that. Um, he's 35. He is getting this older. Year. We are we are he, seeing and, perhaps and so, the end of Ibsen. Right, and so I, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to know like how many minutes does he have in 2018? Yeah. And with that, if you're going to have one defender and a cardboard cutout of some unknown USL player. Um, uh, attached to his hip, um, Ibsen can only try. I mean, you're asking basically now, you're asking Cronin and Ibsen, um, we need you to cover about 8 to 12 miles um, over the course of game day and don't get hurt for, you know, 32 games. Yeah, that's... It's 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 a dumb dumb eventuality. You're going to you're you're going to do something either to your defense or you're going to do something to your midfield. Um, so personally, with the lack of resources that they have and being like what we talked about with uh, kind of previously, they're kind of limited on their funds with going after Finley, going after Molino, um, signing Christian Ramirez. Um, they really don't have a lot of TAM left. It's true. It would be a it would be a significant outlay, and maybe my head knows it's not going to happen, but my heart believes Harrison, and my heart. This is believes. this is another this is another like Mo Adams would be great for them. Yeah, this I, like talking about some of the super draft picks that are available. There's some really solid uh, defensive players uh, and uh, defensive minded midfielders that would absolutely fit in Minnesota going forward. Um, I really would like to see them go that way. I feel like Adrian Heath is such an attacking-minded person. He's going to... Okay. <laughs> All right. You can air your grievances, your peace with that. Um, I'll stop talking. Well, well, I think that uh, either way, this is a very interesting market, and we didn't even talk about it. We don't really have time for it, but uh, there's a Justin Miram sweepstakes on the move. Uh, I think next time... True that we agree to uh, record a podcast, we're going to have a lot of moves to break down, uh, especially after the Super Draft and kind of giving some grades there. And, uh, man, uh, this is uh, the silly season is, is ramping up now. Yeah, it's been, it, this has been a really good offseason mm-hmm. so far. And, it's, and really, we're, we're at like at the one-third mark. Yep. So much left to do. So many moves still to happen. All right, you got to sign off for us? Um. Yes. Uh, don't do go uh, bother everybody uh, from ASA in Philadelphia if you can, because they are there and they like to talk. We do. So Who? seek them out. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be happy to meet with you <laughs> for any number of reasons uh, that you want to discuss anything soccer or analytics related. Um, and have a good trip, man. I'm, I'm jealous. Thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing all this. 
yeah no uh we'll we'll, we'll meet up and we'll we'll chat afterwards all right all right uh adios uh federico Higuain, and have a great one shut your face high school jerks we're about to show you how this works are we cool laser beams we're about to awesome all your dreams and you'll say what are you some kind of computer and we'll say a cyborg pimp from the future and i'm going deaf for cheesy i'm feeling a Battle dancing unicorn